another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Well, it is so good to have you joining us today. And I'm excited for this Word because I know it's a Word of God from us, uh, for us as a church at the moment and the season that we're in. I'm excited for what God is wanting to continue to do through us. And, you know, even though it was a little disappointing to hear about restrictions being tightened again, it's just amazing to see what God is doing through His church at the moment. You know, the reach that we're having at the moment, we're seeing, we're reaching into England, Singapore, India, New Zealand, all across Australia. And I know God is wanting to do something so rich in us. And, you know, for this message that I've been preparing for today, I've just had this sense there's so much more God wants us to step into. So much more that He's got for us. You know, for us as a church, there's this unlimited opportunities that He wants us to step into. For every person tuning in online today, the scope of what God wants to do, it is unlimited. But the greatest challenge in it all is with me, it's managing me, it's managing ourselves. And as I was preparing this message and I was remembering back to significant moments where God asked me to step out and the biggest thing that I found was just getting over myself, over my fears, my insecurities, my wants, my inadequacies. I still remember the first time I preached a message to a group of 50 high schoolers and I'd never spoken to young people at all and I was absolutely freaking out. I remember sitting on the front row and somebody was about to introduce me and I remember having to hold the seat and everything that was going through my mind in that moment was run, what are you doing here? Get yourself out of this situation, run while you still can. And in that moment, I had to make a decision to step into faith rather than allowing fear to hold me back. And I still remember us being appointed as the West uh, Extension Pastors in Auckland, and this was years ago. And I again remember just feeling so inadequate to lead people, to lead adults. And uh, we'd been youth pastors previously. It was this whole new realm. And I remember coming home from this ladies' meeting and saying to Craig, you know, babe, I just, I can't do this. And I remember Craig looking at me and saying, you know what, these women don't need you they're looking for you to lead them to Jesus. And I remember this moment of, actually, that's right, it's not about me, it's about Him and what He wants to do through me. I remember when we moved to Melbourne, taking on this incredible church and went out for dinner with a couple and they sat us down and they, they said to us, you know, it's, it's really great you guys are here, you know, you're young, you know, giving this thing a go, it's awesome that you're doing it. And it was, it was to be honest, quite a condescending tone. And you know, in those moments, you can have like, what, what are we actually doing here? Like, did, did God choose the wrong, the wrong people, the wrong person? Like, are we getting this wrong? But again, you bring it back to actually, it's not about us. God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Actually, it's not about me. Again, it's about what God wants to do through me. So the greatest challenge in everything that God asks for us is would we step forward and would we manage ourselves? We see this all through Scripture. The Bible is full of it. I mean, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthian church, he says to them, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. You see the humanity of Paul expressed. You know, when God appeared before Moses with the burning bush, asked him to free his people, the Israelites from Egypt. 
His response wasn't one of faith, it was one of excuses. You know, when God said to him, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to free my people from Egypt, Moses' first response was, but God, who am I? You know, what makes you think that I could do that? Does it sound familiar? You know, then God says to him, you'll be able to because I am with you. Then Moses comes back to God and says, yeah, but who are you? And then God says to him, I will reveal who I am through you. But again, Moses comes back and says, yeah, but what if? What if this happens? What if they don't believe me? All the what ifs take place. And God is so gracious again. And He shows Moses the miracles that He's going to do through him. But again, Moses comes back and says, yeah, but I can't speak. And again, God's still gracious. He says, yeah, but I will speak through you. Then Moses comes back again. But God, would you just send someone else? And then God gets angry. He says, okay, then I'll send someone else with you. But get a move on and do what I've asked you to do. I mean, do any of the excuses sound familiar to us? I mean, Moses has summed us up right there, all of us. You know, God calls us. We struggle with ourselves with our humanity. And Moses was exactly the same, yet he managed himself through it. And all these excuses, he was able to step into the call that God had for him. And he was able to see the people of Israel set free. So today, I wanna look at this message called managing me. Managing me. And the first thing about managing me is that the word has gotta be more than my support structure. It is my secure foundation. You know, so often today, you know, the Word of God can be just used as a tool to make us feel good. You know, to fall back on is support when we maybe need to pick ourselves back up. Maybe if we've been through a hard time where we're facing fears and securities, you know, to build our confidence back up again. And we need it for all those things, but it's so much more than just a feel good tool. It's meant to direct our every steps, to lead us, to light the way forward. It's meant to make us uncomfortable because it challenges us. But it's meant to be the foundation that our lives are built upon, direct how we think, how we behave, the decisions that we make. And I love how Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27 puts it. It says, These words I speak to you and not incidental additions to your life, home over improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter. Bible said it, not me who builds his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came out, it collapsed like a house of cards. Man, that is challenging. How much do we apply the Word of God to our everyday lives, to how we interact with others, to our friendships, our marriages, our parenting, on every aspect of our world? How much are we doers of the world? doers of the Word, rather than just hearers of the Word. No, it's actually way more important that we do the right thing rather than just saying the right thing. Now, Jesus talks about this in a parable in Matthew 21. He talks about a father who goes to two sons and he asks them to work in his vineyard. And the first one says to him, yeah, Dad, of course I'll do that. But then he gets caught up in other things and actually doesn't end up following through on his Word. 
The second son, though, says, no, I'm not going to do that. But he thinks about it later and then goes and does the work. And Jesus asked the crowd who were listening to him, he said, who did what the father wanted? It was the second son. See, God is looking for our response to his word, not just our agreement with it. How easy is it to read the Word, to listen to a message like this, and all through it, we're agreeing with it. We say, oh, that's so good. Now, listening is the easy part. It's the applying it that's the hardest part. The challenge I wanna bring to all of us today is where are we agreeing with the Word of God, but maybe actually not applying it to our lives? Where are we responding like the first son rather than the second son? Being flippant with our agreement, but not really counting the cost of what it means to live it out. You know, it's easy to say, God, I love you with all my heart, mind, soul and strength. But do our lives actually reflect that in how we spend our time and what we value and the energy that we put into things? Come on, more than ever in this season, I have a sense that God is revealing how we need to go deeper in Him. We can't rely on the energy and the faith that we get from coming together in church and you know the faith that's in a room. We can't rely on that. We've got to go deeper in God and ourselves to seek Him, to find faith ourselves in a fresh way. And it's easy to agree with statements like love your neighbour as yourself, but how much does that statement, second greatest commandment, come on, how much does it affect our everyday lives? and how we respond to people, look out for others, invest into others. I mean, I could just go on and on, but no, prophetically right now, I should believe that God wants to speak into an area of your life maybe where He's saying, come on, would you not just say the right thing, but would you apply it? Would you go from building your life on the sand to building it on the rock where there's complete stability? And I still remember when Craig and I were dating and We were very young, I think 19 and 20, and we had this conversation one night about what we wanted to do with our future. At that time, I was doing a degree in psychology and education, and Craig was working for a CEO with a company that worked with triathletes and Ironmans, and we were both so excited about the future, this adventure that lay before us. And so we sat down together and started writing out the goals that we wanted to do with our lives. And we started out with things like, you know, we wanted to travel, we wanted to own our own home, you know, start a family one day. But as we were writing down these things, our conversation started to turn to what really mattered. Like, what we wanted our lives to really count for. What did God want us to do with our lives? And you know, we came to this conclusion that night that the number one thing we wanted to do with our lives was to build His kingdom and build His church because that's what matters for eternity. God couldn't just be a theory that we had in our heads, a sideline project that we gave attention to when we had time. No, we wanted to apply the Scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Now that conversation, it changed the course of our lives forever. And I can't encourage you enough that wherever you find yourself today, Whenever you choose the Word of God, not just as an opinion, not just as some option, but we take it as our truth, it'll always work for us. It's a foundation that we need to make all choices on. No, maybe for you today, there's an area, maybe in the area of relationships where God is asking you to trust His Word, maybe over what you're naturally feeling. Maybe it's a career decision and God is asking you to pursue His will over your own will. 
Maybe it's a decision regarding your time investment. God is asking you to pursue Him in a greater way. Now, can I just encourage us that God always has our best intentions at heart and He is worth trusting. His Word is there for our betterment. And if we would just take Him at His Word, just watch what we could step into. And the second point today I wanted to focus on just in regards to managing me is my emotions don't get to play the lead role. My emotions don't get to play the lead role. I remember when Zion was younger and he came home from school one day and Craig asked him to do something and his response was, no, Dad, I don't want to do that because you're pressuring my feelings. And let's just say that response did not go down well for Zion. And we took time to talk to them though and just say, buddy, where did that come from? And he said, well, at school, we're learning all about our feelings at the moment. And you know how we need to listen to our feelings? And so we had to have this conversation with him about how and when we listen to our feelings and when not to. But we live in a world today that would tell us that our emotions are everything. You know, if you feel it, you are it. But I know that we validate our emotions too much. We give them too much weight. Emotions are not created to control us or lead us. You know, sometimes we treat our emotions like they're our GPS system or Google Maps, they're to direct us. But they're more like those pretty lights on our car dashboard. I've learned that one of those pretty lights shows, it shows that something is not quite right. And we need to treat our emotions in the same way. They're the indicators that something needs to change. We need to look at our lives maybe some way. Maybe if we're experiencing negative emotions, it's, it's an indication that something needs to change with our thought life. Maybe something needs to change in our behaviour. I love the statement, emotions make a great indicator, but a horrible dictator. And sometimes we can feel so stuck in our emotions and I so know what that feels like. But can I encourage us that emotions don't have any more power over us than what we give them. We can make a choice to choose wisdom over our emotions. When we see this with the example of Esther in the Bible, she was a woman who responded with wisdom rather than react out of her emotions. And when the news came to her that her people were about to be killed, she would have obviously been distraught, but she didn't allow her emotions to be what led her. The first thing she did was to get into God's presence through prayer and fasting to seek Him about what He wanted to do in that situation. Then she approached the King with wisdom and class. And even at the first dinner with the King, she didn't rush ahead, but she waited for God's perfect timing. Now in the same way, we can make a decision about what leads us. We can lead ourselves based on what wisdom says, not what our emotions tell us. You know, right now, your emotions could be telling you, you know what, I don't love my husband, maybe my wife anymore, I'm over this relationship. But wisdom says that if I fight for this marriage, if I do whatever I need to do to make it healthy, then I'm gonna see the fruit later on in life. My emotions right now might be telling me to get frustrated at my kids just to react to them, that I need to explode at them, to get them just to listen to what I want them to do. Wisdom though says, come on, what strategy do I need to implement to get them to change their behaviour so it builds them up and I don't tear them down? My emotions right now may be telling me I'm anxious, I'm fearful. And again, we can feel stuck in that emotion. We can be overwhelmed by it. 
But wisdom says it's the result of what I'm thinking and I can change my thoughts. So what I'm going to feed myself to change my thoughts, I'm going to put on worship music, come on Sunday's message again. I'm going to listen to the Word of God again and again and again and again. I'm going to change what I feed myself so that my thoughts change. Again, your emotions right now may be telling you, you know, you're in a situation where you're depressed. So much so that it can start to define you. But wisdom says it's not a dead end. Wisdom said you can make changes, little changes to make a life lived on purpose, filled with God's presence. Your emotions right now may be telling you, you know what, you're all alone. Wisdom again says there's something that I can do about it. Come on, I need to make an effort to be around others more and more, which we so need to do in this season. You know, I need to make an effort to have friends around me and no, I again want to encourage us as well that we don't need to be in a romantic relationship to be happy, but I can find my worth, my fullness and intimacy with my Creator and His plan for my life. Can I just add in this moment too, it has been so awesome to see how many people are prioritising getting into our Zoom groups in this season. You know, before lockdown hit, we had 370 people in groups, but now through our Zoom groups, we've got over 420. And I just want to honour you, church, for prioritising each other, for prioritising connecting with other Christians and making time to invest. And can I just encourage us, especially with restrictions uh, tightening again, let's keep prioritising each other. Let's keep prioritising those Zoom calls, even though it can feel sometimes like, okay, I've got to be in front of another screen. Let's keep prioritising each other and making sure we are doing things that are based on wisdom, not just what we're feeling in a moment. See, we are not defined by how we feel. We are defined by the choices we make and let's choose wisdom. I love what Proverbs 4 verse 8 says, wisdom will exalt you when you exalt her truth. She will lead you to honour and favour when you live your life by her insights. And the third thought in managing me is that my inner world needs diligent attention. You know, I was reading an article yesterday yesterday about how much beauty product sales have gone crazy during isolation time. You know, Maya has had an increase year to date on beauty products sold of 520% and 600% increase on skincare products. You know, it just shows at this time that you've got to look your best, be ready for those Zoom calls or Instagram pics all the time. You know, but another newspaper article I was reading, it stated that every year, women spend an average of 335 hours on their looks, while men spend an average of 112 hours. How crazy is that? And look, I'm not getting at us for how much time we spend on our outward appearance, but I am saying how incredible it would be if we spent just as much time on our inner world. You know, amazing the difference that it would make in our lives. See, the Bible puts it like this in Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. We've got to watch so diligently the mindsets, come on, the attitudes that can creep in, come on, the hurts that can fester. All these things can affect us from the inside out. And now we've got this beautiful uh, fig tree and... 
fig plant in our bedroom. And on Sunday night, I noticed these large black spots. So I Googled it, as you do, and found out that it's actually a result of root rotting, which is caused by overwatering, looking after the plant too well, and its roots sitting in moisture, which causes this fungal infection to begin. So this infection starts at the roots and then spreads through the entire plant, affecting its health and vibrancy. And you know what? It's true for my fig plant, but it's also true for our lives. If we allow things into our heart that cause rotting, that cause an infection to grow, it'll end up spreading through our lives and affecting our growth, health, and ability to flourish. You know what mindsets or attitudes are we allowing in that's affecting us from the inside out? You know, things like unforgiveness, you know, holding on to something that someone did to you or said to you that hurt you so incredibly much. You know what, it's time to let that go for the sake of your own health and vitality. And the attitudes like, I know better, I know best. I think this is a big one today. I mean, we see this expressed through social media in a massive way, people expressing their opinion and view as if we're experts. But the Bible teaches us the exact opposite of this. It says in Romans 12, don't be smug or even think for a minute that you know it all. Come on, we are all learning and should always be looking at how we can be the answer rather than spending all our time debating over what the answer is. It's like what Pastor Paul was saying last Sunday, let's not be high on opinion, but low on output, especially when it comes to our church. Let's be the ones who are on the field doing the work rather than critiquing the grain from the, from the grandstands. Come on, those attitudes, again, that can get into our heart, especially in this season. No, they don't care about me. No one really sees me. No one notices me. And I want to challenge that thought that is directly from the enemy. It's from him to get you more isolated and separated from those that you actually need. And I can't encourage you enough to not allow those thoughts to win. Reach out to somebody. Let someone know, especially somebody in church leadership. Our heart intention is that everyone would feel so loved and valued. Yeah? So much so that we've done over 500 phone calls the last few months. We've got an incredible team phoning people who aren't in groups, trying to connect them into groups, just caring for people. But come on, we are human as a team and we're not gonna magically know when we need to reach out to somebody. I want to encourage you to speak up if you're feeling like that. And I love what it says in Solomon 2 verse 15, you must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder your relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. And obviously this verse is speaking about a relationship between two lovers, but it also speaks of the relationship between us and God. And let's not allow what God has planted in our heart, those good things. Let's not allow those things to be ripped up and allow the enemy to sow into our lives instead. Let's allow only what God sows into our, our world to flourish. You know the amount of times that I've seen people taken out of God's plan for their life because stuff got into their heart. Come on, as a church, let's commit to being big people who keep our eyes on the bigger picture. I still remember talking to a leader when we first started out in ministry about something that really frustrated me and their reply so stood out to me and it stuck with me ever since. They said to me, you know what, in the light of eternity, does it really matter? 
And so when things have come up through the years that have frustrated us, I've tried to use that filter. Come on, in the light of eternity, does this really matter? And it helps keep your perspective on what truly matters on the big things. No, let's be diligent at protecting our heart and only allowing what is healthy to grow. Only allowing the things that are going to honour God and build His kingdom to keep us effective for His glory. You know, one of the things that I would love to take a moment to encourage us on is allowing the attitude of gratitude to flourish in our lives. Come on, as a church, I would love this to be one of the trademarks of who we are, that we live with gratitude. There is such power in gratitude. You know, when Jesus, the story in the Bible, when He healed the 10 lepers and only one returned to thank Him, Jesus said to him, you're not only just healed, but you are saved. Come on, gratitude releases the power of heaven over our lives. When we are grateful, we remember what God has done, who He is, what He's capable of. The fact that we are His, that He's proven Himself faithful in the past and will continue to prove Himself strong in the future. Our God is so good and gratitude helps us to remember that. I love what Kay Arthur says. She says, God is in control and therefore in everything I can give thanks, not because of the situation, but because of the one who directs and rules over it. I love that. The other thing that gratitude does, it empowers us. We go from this language of I have to, to man, I get to. We go from this position of being victim of our circumstances to looking for opportunities in it. And it's amazing what God can do with that. Come on, you don't have to go to work. You get to go to work. And when I get to go to work, I get to be the light to reach others in this environment, which is the greatest call any of us have. I don't have to be a mum. I get to be a mum. I have the greatest privilege of all to raise a life and still values that they can take on the world. Come on, I don't have to be single but I get to be single. I can be independent, not having to worry about someone else, spend more time building God's kingdom, kind of doing what I wanna do. Come on, gratitude, it protects me. It protects me from negative things that can get in my world and start to poison me. Come on, it protects me from attitudes like entitlement that can start to creep in, you know, that sense of life owing us something. You know, you're not looking for what you think you deserve when you're grateful for what you have. It can protect you from unhealthy mindsets like anxiety and depression because when you focus on the positive, it stops you from focusing on the negative. I love what Proverbs 15 verse 15 says, everything seems to go wrong when you feel weak and depressed. But when you choose to be cheerful, every day will bring you more and more joy and fullness. I love that verse. I also love that gratitude, it overcomes discouragement. Now, let's be honest, it was discouraging to hear that the restrictions were going tighter again because we were starting to look at how church can come together again. But gratitude, it helps to protect us from that disappointment so that we can protect our expectation and our hope. You know, again, it opens up the possibilities of what God is still wanting to do in this season. Gratitude, it frees me to experience God's goodness towards me. It frees me to receive His peace, His comfort, His joy. I love what Ravi Zacharias says. Gratitude comes from the same word as freedom, which is gratis, free. Gratitude is a freeing expression of a free heart towards the one who freely gave. 
I love that. There is something incredibly powerful about gratitude. And I'm going to invite Nige and Sam up with me because we're just going to have a moment of communion together, of remembering God's goodness to us. And as I was preparing this message, it just hit me afresh personally. Come on, how much God has done for me. Come on, the fact that as a little 11-year-old girl who was desperate to know whether God was real, He met me in my bedroom. I still remember just being flooded by this incredible love, this, this sense of, wow, the God of the universe was meeting me. And all through my life, He's continued to meet me, being faithful, come on, moments where I've just felt so incredibly lonely insecure, maybe filled with pain. He's been the God that has met me in every single one of those moments has always come through, His comfort, His peace. It's been what's held me together, walked me through some stuff. You know, right now, He's the God who wants to reveal who He is to His people. For people watching this, all over Melbourne City, wherever you're watching from today. He's the God who's personal. He wants to meet you exactly where you're at. When He died on the cross for our wrongdoings, for our sins, it meant that whenever we opened up our life to Him, that He would cross any and every divide and show us that He is the God who is with us. The God that is for us is not against us the God that's desperate for relationship with you. And I know that there are people listening in today and if you were to be honest, you haven't made that decision to open up your life to Him, to surrender your life to Him, or maybe you once did, but you just know other things have got into your heart and you're not living with a personal connection with Him. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray a prayer together right now. And what that prayer does is, It opens your life up to God. It starts a journey, a relationship with Him. It's a point of going, God, I need You. So I'd love us just to take a moment to repeat this prayer after me right now. God, I invite You into my life. I ask You to be my God, to be my Lord. I'm sorry for my wrongs. I want a fresh start in You. I want to know who You are. I want to know You personally. I open my life to You. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen. Well, we want to honour all of those that made that decision for the first time or whether it was a recommitment today. What an incredible decision that you made. It's the best decision that you could ever possibly make. And, and we'd just love you to take a moment and hit the raise, bar, uh, the raise hand uh, banner that's in the chat. Take a moment to click that because we just want to honour you. It's anonymous when you click it, but we just want to take a moment to celebrate you. And all of us on the chat, we're going to click the heart button. We're going to congratulate you on the decision that you've made. Because again, it's the best decision that you could possibly make. And also we would love to get one of these Bibles to you. And so if you fill out the Live Connected uh, form that's on the chat or go online as well, fill that out and we'll send one of these brand new Bibles to you this week and make sure that you are open to receive all the truth that God has for you in His incredible Word. We hope you enjoy
enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.